0: champions and welcome to not just a sports report I apologize been away for the last week or so activated holiday mode probably not at the best time considering I'm trying to do coverage of rugby league but I'm back just in time for the two grand final qualifiers if you haven't guessed it yet this is NRL finals fever the preliminary finals we are gonna have two teams this weekend qualifying for the NRL 2022 Grand Final, and the race is now down to four. Now, last time I checked in, it was a preview for week one of the finals, so I haven't been able to touch base in regards to the results, but week one, it was rather incredible. We saw the Panthers easily account for the Eagles. that saw the Panthers book themselves straight in for the prelim final that they will be hosting this weekend. We also saw the Raiders upset the Storm in Melbourne. That was a huge statement from the Green Machine. What else did we see? One of the most thrilling finals games I've seen in a hot minute. We saw Cowboys edge past the Sharks thanks to a former Cronulla player, Valentine Holmes, once again coming up clutch with a two-point field goal. Massive victory that now sees the Cowboys hosting a home prelim final this weekend. We also had an epic clash between two very strong rivals. In fact, one of the biggest, if not the biggest rivalry in rugby league, most certainly the longest, we saw the Rabbitohs account for the Roosters. That was a huge performance. We saw Latrell Mitchell really stand up. And after week one of the finals, Melvin Storm gone, Sydney Roosters gone. Not often that happens in week one of the final series. That left us with six teams. Of course, Penrith and North Queensland going straight to this weekend's prelim finals. But last weekend, we still had some qualifying finals to get through. We saw the Eels absolutely demolish the Raiders. Parramatta sounding off exactly why many people have them as the biggest threat to Penrith's back-to-back ambitions. Now Eels, they've qualified for this weekend's clash in Townsville up against the Cowboys. Now, I'll get to the actual games in a moment, but of course, the other final, we saw the Rabbitohs trounce the Sharks, Cronulla going out in back-to-back sets. Really interesting the way that went down, and I also saw a stat, thanks to Random Stats Guy over on Instagram, that the Sharks have lost every game they played this year in front of a crowd larger than 16,000. So I found that to be an interesting stat. When the big games are on, Cronulla seemingly falling short, but still an epic season from them. I know they'll be very disappointed about the way things ended, but I mean, the future looks very bright for the Sharks. It was the Rabbitohs, though, from sixth or seventh place. I think they even may have finished seventh. They qualified, and they will now take on Penrith this weekend in a grand final rematch from last year. So we've got two epic clashes to get into. There's also a lot happening around the rugby league world. We're hearing a few things like Tyrell Sloan being rejected, his request to be released from the Dragons. A few other things going on as well over at the Broncos. We've seen Matt Lodge make a statement about potentially fighting Paul Gallen. There's a lot going on, but today, It's finals fever. I'm not going to jump in to all the other talking points. I'm here to talk about the four teams still in the running for the 2022 Premiership. Two massive games this weekend. And when all is said and done, well, we are going to know exactly who are our teams competing in this year's grand final. It's been a long season. I've enjoyed every moment of it. And whilst many people believe Panthers are going to go through untouched, Well, I think there are a few teams that beg to differ, none more so than the South Sydney Rabbitohs. A lot to get into today, two huge games, so let's not waste any more time. Not just a sports report, finals fever, let's get amongst it. Let's sink our teeth in to the Friday night game, our first grand final qualifier of the weekend as the Cowboys, the North Queensland Cowboys. In Townsville hosting the Parramatta Eels, who many people believe Eels have never been in a better position in recent years to challenge for a premiership, All the years they've spent building under Brad Arthur from a wooden spoon side when he took over to a consistent side appearing in the finals, well now, with many of their stars leaving at season's end, it feels like now is the time for Parramatta to strike. However, it's not going to be easy in Townsville, very hot, very humid conditions, and if you told me at the start of the year that the Cowboys would be hosting a preliminary final in Townsville with the The chance to qualify for a grand final, I probably would have laughed at you. I I probably would have laughed. I did not see this coming from the Cowboys at all. I have loved this season, and at the start of the year, well, you couldn't pay me to tip the Cowboys. Fast forward all the way up to this prelim, and I have to say, North Queensland have made a believer out of me. I know many people still doubting them, including Paul Gallen, who... He's been very vocal in saying he doesn't give the Cowboys a chance. Well, they sent his Sharks pretty much on the way. I mean, Sharks, they lost the Cowboys, then they lost the weekend after. I still think people are underrating the Cowboys. They think that they're just a young squad here to make up the numbers. I don't think that's true. I think with only four sides left in the Premiership race, if you don't take the Cowboys seriously now... Well, that's on you because they are one win away from qualifying for this year's grand final. An unbelievable effort. I had the Cowboys finishing 15th in my preseason preview and predictions. 15th place I had them. So to see what they've been able to do has been simply incredible. And we now have a genuine title force with a hot Townsville crowd that are going to be right behind this Cowboys side. Now, just excuse me for a 2nd going to do a bit of a click on my laptop, pull up the teams, checking out the Eagles first. And the beautiful thing about this team is that Brad Arthur, this is his team. And I know there is no coach in the NRL who's in a successful position but has been criticised more than Brad Arthur. Even, I mean, it was laughable last week on the eve of the game I check foxsports.com.au. I thought, hey, what could I read up about the game? I'm excited to hear about this game, Eels vs. Raiders. What what kind of stuff can I get into? I'd love to hear some more about the preparation. Well, I log into Fox Sports and of course, front and center. Absolute front page headline. First thing you see, damning report. Eels accused of nepotism. And I was just like, fuck, that's on me for going on to Fox Sports. I, there's so many agendas and shit. You're telling me a qualifying final to get into a prelim and we're going to bring up damning reports? I just thought that was super lame. It happens every year. You see it with the storm. And they just, they always want to criticize Brad Arthur and the Eels. To say a damning report coming out, like, honestly, how damning can it be? when the Eels are within a whisker of the NRL grand final. So again, I'm not an Eels fan. I mean, I like the team, but I don't support them. And still, I feel like they are one of those clubs that just get a lot of media attention. And it's unwarranted. Why are we criticizing Brad Arthur and the Eels? Who fucking gives a shit? Honestly, I gotta say it. Who gives a shit about a damning report of nepotism when we're on the eve of the final series. We've got a huge game. So Eels, a damning report, well, that wasn't enough to stop them. And if anything, I think all this talk, all this criticism over Brad Arthur, all the talk about the Eels fail this year, well, that's it. They're not gonna be able to do anything next year. I think all this talk did nothing but fire Parramatta up and they came out and absolutely blew the Raiders off the park. Now, taking a look at the team, as I said, this is Brad Arthur's side. We start at fullback with the captain, Clint Gutherson. King Gutho, signed from the Manly Seagulls a number of years ago now. Playing under Brad Arthur, we've seen Gutherson reach the peak of his powers, and he's one of many in this Eels side who've really come along to play their best football under Brad. On the wings, we've got Wunga Blake and Mike Acevo, Sivo a huge part of what the Eels are trying to do. He is their big man. He gets through a ton of meters off kick returns. So huge wing combination, Micah Sivo, Wanga Blake. In the centers, Will Pennicini, a young kid that the Eels have been very vocal about, wanting to build this club around. And Tom Opechik, one of the many players who are leaving at season's end. Opacik off to Hull Kingston Rovers in the Super League, I believe. In the halves, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses. This is a Premiership-worthy halves combination. I've said it before, and I'll stick to it. Dylan Brown, there was no better player last weekend than Dylan Brown, who ran for over 300 metres in a finals game. Absolutely tore Canberra to shreds. And in the number seven, you've got Mitch Moses, who in the first couple of weeks of the finals has really had some troubles around concussion and head knocks. If he is good to go, which that's what's being talked about, they're saying he is good to go, well, Mitchell Moses, a fit firing Mitch Moses alongside Dylan Brown, that is a halves pairing that can go all the way, in my opinion. Jumping onto the forwards for Parramatta, RCG, Regan Campbell-Gillard, and Junior Barlow up front. Reid Marnie in the number nine, another player who's leaving at season's end, off to the Bulldogs. In the back row, Sean Lane, one of the most improved players this year across the entire competition, and Isaiah Papali'i. I want to say he's one of the players leaving, but even at this point, we don't know. I've never seen a bloke so non-committal about going to a club. Now, I'd probably be the same if I signed a deal with the West Tigers, but still... I mean, to get to this point and still have no clarity around what's happening, it is concerning for Tigers fans. Papali'i, is this his last game for the Eels? Well, I don't know. And if they make the grand final, well, maybe he has one more. But there's talk he may stay. At stages there was talk, maybe he's not backflipping to stay at the Eels, but rather to go home and play for the Warriors, which as a Warriors fan, I would love that but Isaiah Papali'i in the back row for the Eels here was such a huge signing for the Tigers, a total game changer alongside Arpi Corasau. but Papali'i, we still don't know where his future lies exactly. But his short-term future, well, that's this preliminary final, and he is a key cog in the machine that is the Parramatta Eels. Named at lock forward, we have Ryan Mattison, Although in recent weeks, we have seen Murata Niakore end up starting and they've brought Mattison off the bench. So it'll be interesting to see whether they do that again. And on the bench for the Eels, Bryce Cartwright comes in for Mukahesi Mukatoa. So Cartwright all of a sudden finds himself in a grand final qualifier. Jake Arthur in the number 15 jersey. Plenty of criticism around his spot on the bench. Ah, oh, why are they carrying Arthur? who only covers the halves. Well, funnily enough, if you watch the last couple of weeks, Mitchell Moses has gone down. Who else would they bring on? If Jake Arthur's not on the bench, they don't really have a great answer to throw someone into the halves without totally having to just mix and match their side. Jake Arthur on the bench, I'm really happy for him. I think, I mean, this is the NRL. Do we really think Brad Arthur's putting his son on the bench just because he's his son? I don't think so. There's so much criticism on Brad Arthur already, I don't think he's gonna add more unnecessary pressure unless he feels it's truly worth it. In the number 16 jersey, Oregon Kafusi off to the Sharks next year, and in the 17, Marata Niukore off to the Warriors next year. Now, pulling up the Cowboys squad, and what a season it's been for them they now host a prelim final in Townsville and there's going to be a lot of emotion. Now, Paul Green, his passing earlier in the year, very, very tragic. And you've got to believe they're going to be wanting to do something special here. Obviously, they want to win the competition. It's not They're not just doing this to honour Paul Green. But I really do feel that in this game, when times get tough and when some of these players need to find that extra little something within themselves, I I do think that's gonna come into play. A lot of these boys having plenty to do with Paul Green, the only Cowboys coach to have ever gone all the way and won a Premiership, and I think it would be a very special nod to a great coach, and by all reports, a great bloke, if the Cowboys are to go all the way once again. Checking out their team, in the fullback jersey, Scott Drinkwater, one of the biggest talking points at the start of the year being Todd Payton's reluctance to start with drinky. He put Hamaso at the back. Tom Dearden started in the halves over Drinkwater. And at the start of the year, a lot of people scratching their heads. They felt like that wasn't the right move. In hindsight, well, putting Tom Dearden in that number six jersey was the perfect decision from coach Todd Payton. And Scott Drinkwater... He had to sit out. He didn't get to play the first couple of rounds of the season. But from the moment he was called in to play fullback, he has owned that jersey and he has become one of the major players in the Cowboys Premiership push. Drink water at fullback. On the wings, Kyle Felt, who knows a thing or two about winning a Premiership. In fact, it was his try that pretty much sealed the deal, got them to Golden Point, and the rest was history. On the left wing, Murray Taolungi. And I must say, one of Todd Payton's greatest strengths is his ability to bring along young players and turn them into first graders. I saw this firsthand as a Warriors supporter when he took a very struggling Warriors side and he was getting us to perform very, very well in the absolute peak of that COVID pandemic, the boys having to stay in Australia Todd Payton, that is the best I've seen the Warriors play since we were in the 2011 Grand Final. So Payton, he knows a thing or two about bringing through young kids, and Murray Taulangi is the perfect example. Fast forward back only a couple of years, Taulangi was struggling to break into the side, was getting very limited opportunities, and ever since Payton's come, well, he's given Murray Taulangi a full nod of confidence And look how far telling he's taken that. He is now an origin representative and one of the major stars across this Cowboys backline. In the centers, total game changer, Valentine Holmes in the left center. Nobody in this Cowboys lineup proving to be more clutch this season than Valentine. And for years, the talk, is he a fullback? Oh, he could be better on the wing. Where does he play? Well, Todd Payton identified center his best position, and I really do believe that is the best position for Valentine. He gets to use a bit of his ball skills, he's a great runner of the football as well, and hasn't he been suited perfectly to the centers? Many would argue the best center across the entire competition. In the right center position, you have Petter hiku signed from the Warriors, and I'm a huge fan of Petter, and he's exactly what the Cowboys needed. Over the last couple of years, they have majorly been lacking a strike center. They tried to get Esan Masters over from the Tigers. That didn't really seem to work out. They had Justin O'Neill, who, an incredible player, but toward the back end of his career, struggled with form as well as injuries. Hasn't the signing of Pedahiku been phenomenal? He's the exact strike center the Cowboys have needed and I tell you what, as a Warriors fan, I was gutted to lose him, but stoked to see him now in a grand final qualifier. In the halves, I'm going to say it right now, I think this has been the best halves pairing of the entire season. Tom Dearden, Chad Townsend. Now, rewind all the way back to preseason. Tom Dearden was no certainty to even be in the side. He was brought over mid-season last year from the Broncos. Plenty of reps on him as a great young, talented half, but we definitely weren't seeing that in his NRL appearances. I felt as though he was scarred from being thrown in the deep end at the Broncos as well. Last year, Cowboys finishing the season in awful fashion. They just absolutely limped to the finish line. And to see Tom Dearden respond the way he has, That's been one of my favorite kind of talking points of the entire season has been the rise of Tom Dearden and the signing of Chad Townsend, the captain, a premiership-winning halfback with Cronulla. But last year, midway through the season, Sharks dropping Townsend. He came over to the Warriors, had an injury-interrupted season. Lots of talk about Townsend signing, how much money he was getting, and whether he was going to be able to make a difference at all, well, now we know. Chad Townsend, what a signing. Cowboys identified a perfect fit for their club, and Tom Dearden doesn't play the way he has been and doesn't earn himself an origin call-up without Chad Townsend alongside him. All year, it's been Townsend playing that classic role of organising halfback, handling the kicking, getting the side around the park, And that has freed Tom Dearden up to just run the ball. Which now we're seeing, that's what he does best. So, huge fan of the halves combination. And in this game, my key battle, well, that's in the halves. Dearden, Townsend, Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses. Both, in my opinion, worthy pairings to go all the way to Premiership glory. Only one of them are going to be able to do it. And I'm very intrigued because I think this game is going to be won and lost on the back of their halves pairings. And I couldn't tell you right now who are going to gain the ascendancy. Up front, Jordan McLean, who's set to re-sign with the club. What a fantastic story it's been this year for McLean. Ruben Cotter. Gee, he has some ticker, doesn't he? He's named up front. And Reese Robson, one of the best number nines in the entire competition. We're finally seeing why Reese Robson had so many raps on him coming through the grades. In the back row, Tom Gilbert, Dolphins bound next year, and Jeremiah Nanai, another one of these players under Todd Payton who's just skyrocketed to really start maximizing their potential. And in the lock forward position, Jason Taumalolo. A lot made last year of Todd Payton's reluctance to play Taumalolo for big minutes, Talking about going into this season, there were plenty of talks and whispers around, hey, if Cowboys shit the bed this year, maybe JT ends up somewhere else. Full credit to Jason, full credit to Todd Payton, they've made it work, and then some. On the bench for the Cowboys, Hamaso tabuai Fado, Luciano Leilua, Cohen Hess, and the young Kiwi Griffin Name. Those are the team lists and it's set to be an absolutely massive game for Brad Arthur. Well, many people are saying this is it. This is his premiership window. The team are going to get significantly weaker next year with all respect to the side that is sticking around. But they're losing some big names. Reed Marnie most likely going to lose Isaiah Papali'i as well. Two of the best guys in their entire squad. So it feels like the time is now for the eels to strike and for the Cowboys, it's been a fairy tale season and wouldn't that be capped off by a grand final? to even say that if you told me at the start of the year North Queensland would be in the grand final, I I would have loved to hear your logic and I would have loved to hear your explanation because I just couldn't see it happening. I didn't have them in my top eight. I in fact had them second to last, So it's fair to say there has been no side in the competition that have exceeded expectations more than the Cowboys and yet people still don't believe that they are a premiership threat. Don't make that mistake. I'm telling you right now, North Queensland are as good a chance as anybody and with a home final in the humid conditions of Townsville, adding on as well that they've had a week off to really freshen up, I believe Cowboys should be the favourites going into this game. However being the favourite leading into this one means very little. It's all about who actually picks up the win and for both sides they seem to be at different points in their premiership window. For the Cowboys it's been a remarkable rise from the bottom of the ladder all the way to this point where they can now qualify for the grand final, they've got a young team, Their coach has only just started in the last couple of years, and Cowboys, well, this seems to be the start of quite a special run for the club. For the Eagles, it's quite different. It seems like this is the last year for Brad Arthur. I know a lot of people heaping criticism on him, saying if he fails here, well, that's it. that They're not gonna win a premiership. Now, most, if not all of the people I've seen throwing shade at Brad Arthur, think any of them have a premiership maybe one or two of them have come out and said something but most of the pundits who are putting all this pressure on they don't have a premiership themselves so very easy to sit and judge of course premierships they're very very hard to win trust me i'm 26 years old i am still yet to taste nrl premiership success so i know how hard it is i think anyone who's actually played in the nrl could attest to just how difficult it is. But still, Brad Arthur seems like the easiest target for the media when it comes to bashing a coach who, in my opinion, has done a fantastic job with a club that were literally the worst team in the competition when he took over. They were a wooden spoon side. They couldn't get anything together. An absolute mess of a club. You had club legends fighting. There was all this talk about a lack of unity and plenty of division higher up in the club. And Brad Arthur has totally turned the ship around. So I feel like if there is anyone who is getting unwarranted criticism, I think it's Brad Arthur. I really do. I think it's pretty much just a crock of shit, in my opinion, that he gets as much pressure as he does. He's done a fantastic job. And now's the time for the Eels. So we've got two coaches with Different kind of pressure levels on them. Everyone's praising Todd Payton, and rightly so, for what he's been able to do with the Cowboys. But there's much more of a critical lens when it comes to Brad Arthur. In terms of my point of difference for this game, I've gone with the conditions. I think hot, humid conditions, it's going to be a real grinding game. And I think ultimately, look, Eels have been a fantastic team all year. But they're coming off back-to-back games. Cowboys have had that week off to freshen up, get themselves right. And I really do think a major point of difference in this one is going to be playing in Townsville. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hard to keep a hold of that ball. And Eels, I think a bit later toward the end of the game, I think they're a good chance of... I I don't know if I want to say gassing out because I know they're going to want this so much but I do think fatigue's gonna set in and that's gonna allow for guys like Valentine Holmes and Tom Dearden to really blow the game wide open. In terms of all eyes on, well, as I've said plenty of times, all eyes are on Brad Arthur. He seems to be the one who's copping all the brunt of the Eels' failures if they do lose. And if they win, well, people will look more toward Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown, So Brad Arthur, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, but all eyes most definitely on the Parramatta Eels coach. With that being said, I've got to make my prediction, don't I? So, look, pre-season, if you've listened to the podcast before, you would know. I had a bit of a that's so Raven-like vision, and I saw in my mind, and it wouldn't be the first thing, that I have thought about that has been totally wrong, but in the preseason, and I ended up picking the Roosters as my pick to win the Premiership, but I just had this image in my mind, and I don't know why, of Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown hoisting that Premiership above their heads, and I haven't been able to shake it all year. Throughout different points, I've definitely thought, okay, that, that was probably off. I mean, they lost to the Bulldogs, they lost to the Tigers, they got absolutely smacked by the Rabbitohs and even the Cowboys in Darwin, funnily enough. But I just, I don't know. I still have that thing in my mind where, I don't know, is, was the Premiership vision real? Am I some kind of psychic medium? Probably not. I, I don't know. But that was pre-season and here they are in the preliminary final. I'm going to ignore that though. I'm going to ignore the That's So Raven vision. I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one. They have made me a believer this season. In the preseason, there were no Premiership visions for the Cowboys. I had them 15th. They have totally surpassed my low expectations. And I think, I really think they're going to get it done here. I've seen signs all year that the Cowboys really do have that belief that can take them all the way. One of my best examples was that game against the Manly Seagulls where they scored three or four tries to totally steal the game in the last 10 minutes. And I really think if this one gets down to the last few minutes, the Cowboys, they seem to have that belief inside them. They've got someone as clutch as Valentine Holmes who showed as recently as his last game that he can slot a 40-meter two-point field goal. So they've got all the tools, they've got the belief, very talented young side. I'm gonna go against the Premiership vision here. I'm taking the Cowboys. They've made me a believer and I really think they're gonna get it done here. Taking the Cowboys over the Eels. Now let's get amongst our next game. action was done there. You are sadly mistaken because we have an absolutely massive clash Saturday night, a grand final replay from last year's decider at Accor Stadium. We've got the reigning and defending premiers, the Penrith Panthers, looking to make it back-to-back titles as they take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs, last season's runners-up. They've seen changes in key positions. They've seen a change to the coach. They've seen plenty of changes. But the one thing that hasn't changed that has been a constant in the last few years is South Sydney qualifying for a preliminary final. I believe this is the fifth in a row after having a lot of really unlucky moments where they lost in the prelim, didn't qualify for the grand final. They got over that hurdle last season, but they fell agonizingly short. Only two points short of the Panthers last year. Largely, you can put it down to the Stephen Crichton intercept. Other than that, this game was as close as it can be. Now they meet yet again, but this time it's not the 2021 season. It's 2022, there is so much to play for. For the Panthers, they are looking to go back to back, and for the Rabbitohs, well, they desperately wanna go one better than last year. I'm gonna go through both teams. I'll start with the, I was gonna say the home side. Realistically, both of them, it's home for them. Now, fullback for the Panthers, Dylan Edwards. Had a huge year last year, but he's just gone from strength to strength this season. Dylan Edwards, one of the form players across the entire competition, and may even be a sneaky chance for that Delhi M medal. On the wings, Brian Toto and Charlie Staines. We saw Talon May suspended. No, not for his assault. Actually managed to get suspended for something else. I believe it was an on-field incident. That sees Charlie Staines come into the side. Now, he's been out of favor all season. He started last year on the wing, and then by the end of it, you know, there were guys in front of him. He wasn't in the grand final winning team. And then this year, Charlie Staines started the season but he was displaced by talon may who was absolutely killing it so charlie it seems like maybe he's going to be on the move after this season but he comes into the team for what is the biggest game of his career and the forbes ferrari it's expected that he's going to line up on the right wing so people expecting brian toto to shift from that right side Back onto the left wing, which is where he played in last year's decider, and that'll see Charlie Staines play on his more favoured right side. In the centres, Isaac Tago, been one of the great young players of the competition. Now, if you've paid attention to the podcast, he was one of the votes for the rising star this year, for the best young player. Now, he fell just short, but I've been hugely impressed with Isaac Tago going all the way back to round one. I actually had money on him to win, or to score the first try, sorry. So yeah, he actually made me some decent cash. And that, I was heading into a festival that weekend. So since round one, Isaac Tago has been my guy. And that solidified it for me. He's played the full season. So much talk as well, going into this year. Well, how are the Panthers gonna go without Matt Burton? Well. They've gone just fine. It's, I forgot for a second that he was even at the Panthers. Isaac Tago has come into that side, has killed it all year, and now he finds himself with the chance to qualify for the NRL Grand Final first time in his young career. In the right centre position, we've got Stephen Crichton. Of course, he proved to be the difference when these sides met in last season's Grand Final. And Crichton... Just an absolute star. It will be interesting to see whether he stays at the Panthers long-term. There have been talks of him potentially following Cameron Serraldo over to the Bulldogs, but that's future talk. Let's stick to the present, Stephen Crichton, a major game-changer in this Panthers outfit. In the halves, Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, they've got him both on the park at the perfect time of year. Obviously, Cleary missed a bit of action after that Parramatta game where he was suspended. And Luai, he's battled injury at different points throughout this season. But the two of them, they've killed it coming through the grades. And really, when the Panthers' rise begun, it was when Jerome Luai got given that number six jersey. James Maloney was there. And in 2019, they actually struggled. Now, it was awesome for the young guys to have James Maloney there because he is a winner premierships at the Sharks and the Roosters, as well as a grand final at the Warriors, which trust me, that, that's no easy feat, even though it was a losing one. Just to get that side, we can't even make the top eight, but it's not about the Warriors today. Jerome Luai, he got given that number six jersey and he's absolutely owned it, Luai Cleary They've gone from strength to strength. They are a Premiership winning combination. They are an Origin Series winning combination. Not this season, obviously, but going back to last year. And it looks like they are primed to pick up yet another accomplishment, that being back-to-back Premierships. Nathan Cleary, of course, the captain as well, alongside Isaiah Yeo. Up front for the Panthers, Moses Leota. James Fisher-Harris, two guys who came through their junior system just like pretty much their entire squad. Fisher-Harris and Leota, both part of that 2015 Under-20s Premiership winning side. In the number nine, RP Korosau. Funnily enough, two Premierships to his name, one with the Panthers, one with South Sydney. Former South Sydney Premiership winner and RP shaped as one of the most vital parts of this Panthers' back-to-back Premiership push. In the back row, Viliami Kickow off to the Dogs next year, and Liam Martin, who is an absolute stud. We saw him step in for Kurt Capewell, who largely started in the back row last year. But Liam Martin, I mean, even playing off the bench last year, managed to get himself into the Origin Arena. I'm a huge fan of the way he plays the game. And last time these sides met, it was actually Liam Martin who scored the winning try, only a few weeks ago too. Some very deceptive play from Arpi Korosau. Many players expecting him to just get the ball to the center of the field, line up for that field goal, but that wasn't what Arpi was thinking and he sent Liam Martin over for the try that won the game. In the lock forward position, Isaiah Yo, absolute gun, very, very important to what the Panthers are trying to do on both sides of the ball. And checking out Penrith's bench, Mitch Kenny in the 14 jersey, Scott Sorensen in the 15, an epic signing. He was definitely far too good for New South Wales Cup during his stints with the Sharks as well as the Raiders, but he couldn't seem to get himself into consistent first grade standards. So unfortunately for Sorensen, it took him a while to break into first grade properly but the Panthers clearly identified this guy was too good to be playing reserve grade. And now Scott Sorensen, I believe he's one of the best bench players in the entire competition. Brings so much impact. And that was really reflected with his selection in the New Zealand Kiwis World Cup squad. In the 16, Spencer Neo And in the 17, Jamin Salmon. Unfortunately for Jamin, not through his fault. At weak gutted dog is just all, I think that's what a lot of people think of. It's unfortunate the tag has stuck. I never met the guy, but yeah, I don't think he'll be caring too much about that comment given that he's one win away from partaking in his first ever NRL grand final. Checking out South Sydney's team and some big news breaking today. Alex Johnston out, the prolific try scorer he has a couple of injuries that he's battling, so he's had to withdraw from this game. And that sees Richie Kenner. I believe Richie Kenner is gonna come into the side. Although another one who could potentially come in in that number 20 jersey, Josh Mansour. And that would be a very interesting narrative given Mansour moved on at the conclusion of the 2020 season, had to leave the Panthers, a club he's been very loyal to, a club that he was happy to take less money to stay at. And since going to the Rabbitohs, it really hasn't worked out, unfortunately, for Josh Mansour. But it'll be interesting if he does get the call-up to try and spoil the party of his former teammates. At this stage, though, it's being said Richie Kenner is going to be on the left wing, and over on the right wing, Tane Milne, who really has gone from strength to strength this season. In the fullback position, you've got one of the biggest stars in the game, Luttrell Mitchell. He has absolutely dominated this year since returning from injury. He went overseas and he's come back looking amazing. So Luttrell, he is going to be absolutely key in that fullback position. In the centres, Isaiah Tuss, who, I mean, unbelievable. Last year, he couldn't even get into the Broncos team. And this year... He finds himself in a prelim final. So really happy to see that for Isaiah Tass. Spent some time at the Bulldogs as well. Then the Broncos. Broncos it makes a bit more sense because he's a center. They've got Katoni Stags, they've got Herbie Farnworth. So there were some guys in front of him, but the fact is he couldn't even get a game at a very, very shite Bulldogs side with all respect, but take it back a couple of years. They were properly shite. So Isaiah Tass maybe thought he was never going to get a game in first grade. Well, how things have changed. He now finds himself as one of the absolute bargain buyers of the season, lining up at left centre with Campbell Graham over on the right. In the halves, Cody Walker, this shapes as an integral game for him, partnered with Lachlan Elias. Lots of positive talk around Lachlan this week after largely critical talk all year from myself included. The Adam Reynolds narrative, obviously it's stuck around. Plenty of chat around why they let him go. But Lachlan Ilias, it was a great move. They've given him a full year of first grade under his belt. He's now developing. They don't have to do it all at once because if you think about it, Adam Reynolds, Cody Walker, Damian Cook, all relatively close in age and a little bit closer to the end of their career than the beginning. So it would have been a huge ask to have to throw a rookie halves pairing and a dummy half in all at the same time. And South Sydney have got on the front foot, they've put their young half back in there, and Lachlan Ilias has repaid the faith. Let's not forget as well last time that the Rabbitohs took a punt on an untested, unproven, Unknown young halfback. Well, that was Adam Reynolds, and I believe two years in they had a premiership. So that was a total game changer for the Rabbitohs a number of years ago. And I'm interested to see whether this could be the next game changer. Lachlan Ilias, very talented young kid. He also picked up an under 20s premiership a couple of seasons ago, um, and in the Rabbitohs system. So he knows that he can get the wins. He's worked his way up, developed. He now finds himself in this huge position, going head-to-head with Nathan Cleary. In the forwards, Tevita Totola, unreal form this year. He even picked up their player of the season. And Mark Nichols, Dolphins bound, interested to see what the GOAT can come up with. In the dummy half position, Damian Cook. And in the back row, Kieon Kolamatangi, and Jai Arrow. Captain Unlock Ford, Cameron Murray, probably the hottest guy in the team as well, not that anyone asked me that. And checking out the interchange, Cody Nicarima, who left the Warriors mid-season, I bet he'd be absolutely stoked about that. And Nicarima has been a great buy for them, given that they were supposed to have Anthony Milford going into this year, that didn't end up working out, Rabbitoh's then found themselves short of a halves option. And the beauty of Nicarima is that he can cover the halves, he can cover dummy half, and even this year, he stepped in at fullback. So, a lot of utility value, major signing that I think's really gone quite unheralded. Cody Nicarima in the 14, Hame Selle in the 15 jersey, Michael Cheekham, who crossed over from the Tigers at the start of the year. In jersey number 16, and Jed Cartwright, formerly from the Panthers system himself, he is in the number 17 jersey. So, those are the teams. There are a couple of outs, especially for the Rabbitohs. No Saliva Havili, who has been excellent, and no Tom Burgess as well. No Alex Johnston now added to that. So, Rabbitohs, little bit under strength. They've still got the bulk of their side. But you do want to be going in as full strength as you possibly can up against a dominant side like the Panthers. Can South Sydney knock Penrith off? I think it's certainly possible. And there is recent history between these two sides that is sure to motivate the Bunnies. You have last season's grand final. Only a number of weeks ago, we saw the Rabbitohs just narrowly lose to the Panthers. So whilst Penrith have their number... I mean, I've seen enough from the Rabbitohs to tell me they can win this game. Are they going to win it, though? Well, that is a totally different story. They're going up against the new powerhouse of the competition on a run. I don't know if I've seen such a dominant run, at least in the last 20 years. I know Storm at points have been epic, times when they had Slater, Inglis... Uh, Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Israel Folau. There have been some dominant teams, but I haven't seen it, at least in the last 20 years, I haven't seen it done like this, where it's a team full of local juniors. Everyone is buying in to that Panthers style of play. They're all mates. They've played with each other through the lower grades. And just the way it's working, when they have top-end talent who cost a little bit too much coin they just move them on and they bring through the next young kid who does a job for cheaper and they just keep bringing that through. Think about, I mean, the first couple that they moved on when Phil Gould first landed at the club, obviously he's not there now, but the first two major ones were Luke Lewis and Michael Jennings. There was a lot of noise, especially for moving on Luke Lewis. And Michael Jennings, one of their star players. So they were making statements from that point on. Think about Matt Moylan, he's a good example. Regan Campbell-Gillard, Wanga Blake. There are a number of players. Bryce Cartwright, Tyrone Peachy, Josh Mansour. Every time that it seems like they need to alleviate some cap pressure, they let one of their biggest, most talented stars go and they bring through the next one. It's unbelievable how they continue to do it time after time, and it's still going on. Arpi Karasau moving on. And you'd think, wow, that potentially is the biggest void of them all. But then there's talks that young Riley Smith, playing number nine in their jersey flag side, well, this talk he could be the next big thing. So the production line just does not stop at the Panthers. And if you want... Any evidence that they're only going to get stronger? Well, Panthers, New South Wales Cup, and Jersey Flags, so that's under-20s or under-21s, both their reserve grade sides, or junior and reserve grade, they're playing the grand final this weekend. So should Panthers beat the Rabbitohs here, all three of their teams making the grand final in every grade? So not just the NRL side, it's not just the NRL side, that are dominant. You look at them and you think, well, what's going on underneath? You look at the New South Wales Cup side. Some real guns in there that look very ready to make that step up to first grade. And then you look at their Jersey flag side. They too win the grand final. Some absolute guns in that team as well. The likes of Maverick Gaia, Riley Smith. So it just seems like this isn't going to end anytime soon. If their under-20 side are still going this well, well, that tells me they got plenty of youngsters ready to make that step up should they get the call. Now, Panthers, it has been an era of dominance. They have truly emerged to be this massive powerhouse over the last three years. And look, they've got plenty of motivation going into this one. A few departures for next year. Arpi Corasau off to the Tigers, Viliami Kikau off to the Bulldogs, and he's not the only one going to the Bulldogs. Cameron Seraldo, assistant coach, and someone who's had a big say in why the Panthers are as successful as they are. Seraldo could be the biggest loss of the lot. He has been there the whole step of the way. He brought the youngsters through at Holden Cup level when that was a thing. So he won a premiership at under 20s level. He went up to New South Wales Cup. He won a premiership there. And he has had such a large hand with pretty much every player in that Panthers side. So some very, very key departures at season's end. And you better believe that the Panthers are gonna want to send them off in style. You can't always get what you want though. You can't always send everybody out in style. Ask the Rabbitohs. Last year, they would have loved to send Captain Adam Reynolds and Coach Wayne Bennett out of the club in style. Well, that didn't happen. So Rugby League, it's not necessarily made for fairy tales. We've seen it time and time again. You only have to look at Andrew Fafita. I'm sure he would have loved to bring another premiership to the Shire before leaving the club. But it doesn't always work out like that. And for the Rabbitohs, well, those losses that I just mentioned, they've been part of the major storyline this year. A lot of talk, I would say the majority of the talk, no Adam Reynolds. All year, myself included, I had some criticism of it. I did believe Lachlan Ilias was the right call. Like, I do think he is a great young talent, although there were times throughout this season. Where I started to doubt that, many people did, except the Rabbitohs. They stood firm with their decision, and at times, they looked like they'd be left with egg on their face. Adam Reynolds goes over to the Broncos, takes a side from the bottom of the table, up to the top four at one point. And any time Reynolds played, he was killing it. I think back to Magic Round, uh, where he put on some Alfie langer like magic. Like, there was this feeling in the air, like, holy shit, the Brisbane Broncos have got their man. And in that same token, it was being looked at like, well, the Rabbitohs, they let this guy go. Has that taken them out of their premiership window? Many people believed so, but the script has been flipped. Now we fast forward to the current point we are at. Adam Reynolds and the Broncos, look at how they finished the season. Not so much Reynolds, He still playing great, but the Broncos, they had an all-time meltdown. Still a lot of improvement, and you can see just how much of a difference Reynolds made, but they fell very, very flat at the end. Rabbitohs, they finished very strong. Latrell Mitchell, he was definitely the turning point. When he came back into that side, they were a new outfit, totally new outfit, And with that, we see them one game away from the grand final. No Adam Reynolds in sight. No master coach Wayne Bennett in sight. It felt like how many people say with the Eels, some of their departures this year, a lot of people feel like this is it. This is the time to strike for Parramatta. That's how I felt about Souths last year. I felt like, You've got to do it while Adam Reynolds is here. You've got to do it while Wayne Bennett is the coach. But none of this applies. Jason Demetrio has more than served his apprenticeship. He's won a Queensland Cup Premiership at the Northern Pride a number of years ago now. And then he crossed over to the Illawarra Steelers. And he won a Premiership there as well under the Dragons system. So he's had runs on the board at reserve grade level. And one of the really interesting notes, actually, from his Illawarra Steelers or Cutters, I think they were called, actually. My apologies. Uh, From his Illawarra Cutters days and when he won the New South Wales Cup Premiership, five of those players from that Dragons reserve-grade Premiership side are in this Rabbitohs squad. Not all of them playing in this one. I know Isaac Thompson, I believe he was a member of that side. Tane Milne, who's playing on the wing, he played in that side. I'm trying to think who else. Hame Sele, Saliva Havili. So there are guys who Demetrio's been able to identify, like, you guys can get the job done. And yes, that was at reserve grade level, but he's obviously been able to identify, like, you guys, I'm bringing you guys over. And it's worked pretty bloody well up to this point as well. And then not just his reserve grade level days, but Demetrio. He has well and truly served an apprenticeship, spent a lot of time under Wayne Bennett. I believe they linked up at the Broncos. I'm not sure whether they linked up earlier than that, but I know Dimitriou was at the Broncos during some of their successful stints. And I know as well that he followed, obviously, Bennett to the Rabbitohs. So he spent years learning his craft under Wayne Bennett. And you can look at guys who've done the same. Someone like Steve Price, who took over from Wayne at the Dragons. Rick Stone, he hadn't worked under Wayne a lot, but he actually has a lot of runs on the board at Queensland Cup level. And you look at the guys who've taken over from Wayne Bennett. Again, you look at the Broncos as well. Anthony Siebold, Ivan Henjak. And it just traditionally has never worked out. But I feel like, The way this has been done has been different. Dimitriou already looked like a very good coach. And then to work under Wayne Bennett, to learn the systems, he's had some time as well at the Rabbitohs to get to know all of these boys before he's taken on that role of head coach. And the way he's just got everything going this year has been incredible. So hugely impressed with Jason Dimitriou. He's doing an excellent job in his first season as a head coach. He's got the young halfback Ilias growing into his role with each passing week. He's got Luttrell Mitchell in career-best form. This is a two-time Premiership winner who's played at the highest levels in the game. And under Dimitriou, Luttrell looks better than ever. Then you've got the more experienced players. You look at Cody Walker, Damian Cook. Both of them still major contributors. And for Anthony, Anthony Dimitriou... Uh, That's a new one, Jason. Easily confused names, Jason and Anthony. Uh, But for Dimitriou, he's got these experienced guys who are obviously so important to leading the side around the park, making sure that they can get their side over the line in the tight games. He's got his experienced guys playing as good as ever. He's given the captaincy to Cameron Murray, who he is a generational player for the Rabbitohs. He is kind of a very different player to Sam Burgess, obviously. But in terms of like influence and like Sam Burgess, very hard to replicate. One of the most influential players South Sydney have ever had, at least in my time. Uh, But I think Cameron Murray, like over the next decade, he is such a crucial piece of that South Sydney side. And when they don't have Cameron Murray, they look significantly weaker. So Cam Murray... He is that influential Ford. now. He's the one that everyone gets on the back of. And when it gets tough, you know Cam Murray is going to step up. So I love him being handed the captaincy. We've seen a few other moves as well throughout the season. And Dimitriou, he's got this side humming. And if he can get over the Panthers, I know many people are saying Todd Payton, Coach of the Year. And I think that is an absolute lock. But one of the names we haven't been hearing as much, Jason Demetriou. I think if Todd Payton doesn't have the season that he did with the Cowboys, then, I mean, Craig Fitzgibbon also in contention, but they just went out in straight sets. Demetriou, he's taken over from Wayne Bennett. He's had a side that were in the grand final last year. They've lost their key halfback and captain. And here they are, a prelim final. And obviously mentally. The Rabbitohs, all year, when they've thought about the finals and their quest for a premiership, I don't think you can picture that without at some point knowing you're going to meet the Penrith Panthers. And most likely they may have been thinking grand final, but here we are in the prelim. And this dates back to last year's grand final. All through the pre-season, all through this season, South Sydney Rabbitohs have been working to get to this point. If there is one side that they knew they would meet and that they knew they would have to get past in order to claim that premiership, it's the Panthers. So I am very, very excited to see tactically what the Rabbitohs decide to do in terms of their attack and defense. And I'm excited to see if they can rattle the Penrith Panthers because I think they can. I've seen a lot in previous games most notably last year's grand final, to suggest that they can beat them. However, the Panthers have won eight of the last nine games between these two sides. The stats would suggest that Panthers are very hard to beat here, and I think we already all know that. Everyone, or at least like a large majority of people who follow the game, Panthers... We've been thinking they're going to go all the way from very early on in the season. So Panthers have always been that benchmark. They are now the side to beat. Eight of the last nine games won by Penrith. Although the exception in those nine games. Week one of the finals last year. Only last year. And with no Latrell Mitchell either. Rabbitohs beat the Panthers. So they know they can do it. We've also seen this year at origin level, Queensland, they rattled some of those Panthers players. The Blues, obviously, largely made up of Penrith players. Queensland found a way to really get under their skin and get the win. I think Rabbitohs. I look back to the grand final last year and just how close that was. I have no doubt that the Rabbitohs can win, but it's very different. It's huge the gap between whether you can win and whether you will win, especially against a side like Penrith. I do think, though, South Sydney, one area of their game where not just myself but many people felt that they were going to fall short, was in their forward pack, and I've been so largely impressed. I spoke about Captain Cam Murray before, but Tevita Totola. There's been no player in this entire Raboteau side that has impressed me more this year than Tavita Totola. He started his career at the Tigers uh, within a couple of years of his young career starting. He found himself at the Rabbitohs. He was never like a huge needle-moving signing. It was never like Tevita Totola is the guy. He started his career on the bench, and even the last few years being a starting front rower, he's never really been in that conversation when you speak about the absolute best props in our game. I'm thinking like Adam Fenur Blake, James Fisher Harris, Payne Haas. He hasn't been spoken about in that same breath, but nobody has impressed me more than Tavita Tatola. Across the competition this year, if you listen to my NRL Power Hour podcasts, which were like round reviews, I had an award or a performance highlight called the Tough Stuff performance highlight, which, wasn't just for one game, it was across the entire round. So any player could get it across the entire competition. It was for tough carries, real big efforts in the middle of the field. And Tavita to Totola, he won it multiple times. There were even a couple of weeks he got it back-to-back. So he has grown into this hugely important part of South Sydney's team. And when I looked at them, if I had to pick a weakness, it was the forward pack. And to see the way they've gone on this year, Tavita Totola, he was the, their best player. He actually won at their awards night, Player of the Year. So, Tatita, I'm making up fucking names now, Tavita Totola is a gun. He's an absolute gun and is another perfect example of Jason Demetrius' ability to bring these guys to the next level. So, as you can tell, I'm optimistic. I'm very positive in my thoughts around the Rabbitohs and their season as a whole. But again, the Panthers, I mean, any side is beatable, but they just seem to be in a league of their own. It seems to be them versus the rest of the competition. There is a clear gap between first, second. Like you look at Cowboys, Sharks and the level they are at, And then the level that the Panthers are at, it's just, it's unmatched. And obviously, that's the exciting thing about finals. If Souths play at their best, they can do it. But they have to play at their best to give themselves even a chance. The same goes for the Eels. The same goes for the Cowboys. And Panthers are going to be on. You know that their mindset is there. Now, they have that experience as well. 2020 a lot of that side very young. They were finally starting to click But now they are so much further along than that. They are clearly the best team in the competition and My key battle in terms of this game The two players head-to-head where I think this game could be won or lost RP Coruscant Damian Cook both in the mix for Kangaroos selection come World Cup time both played for the Blues this year and it's going to be a huge matchup. Damien Cook, obviously he is such a massive part of what the Rabbitohs do in both attack and defense. And in the last handful of seasons, when they've made it to the prelims every year, Damian Cook has been one of their featured stars every single time. He's durable, he's extremely quick out of dummy half, but he is going up against the master of deception, Arpi Corasau. That is the head to head battle that I find the most intriguing, although I am very interested to see Isaiah Yo up against Cam Murray. But RP Corasao, he is so important to the Panthers side, and I found this statistic on the foxsports.com.au website. Now, RP Corasao, he came to the club in 2020. Now, obviously, he had played at the Panthers before that, but Between 2016 and 2019, 102 games collectively, the Panthers, they used a handful of different dummy halves in between Arpi's two stints. Now, they had Peter Wallace, who moved from the halves into dummy half, and he was killing it. He was definitely the option, but he ended up going down with injury. His career was done. And during that time span, we saw Sione Katoa, Get a go, not of Sharks fame. Um, We had Wade Egan, Mitch Kenny, James Seguiaro, a number of different guys. And in that time period between 2016 and 2019, all of those guys combined produced 19 try assists. Over 102 games, all of them collectively, 19 try assists, 22 line break assists. That is a handful of guys 102 games between five or six guys produced 19 try assists this year in 2022 23 games significantly less 79 games less than all those guys combined and RP Coruscant has come up with 13 try assists 14 line break assists this year so like, he is a game-changer when you look at the stats. He is only six try assists this year alone behind all the Panthers' starting hookers from 2016 to 2019. So he's produced a phenomenal output, and that was where the Panthers were clearly lacking. The number nine department was what was holding them back, and Coruscant, he holds that major key. He is the king of deception, And the head-to-head battle against Damian Cook, that is my key one for this one. Another key battle, although funnily enough, they're not both playing in this game. Kangaroos' halfback jersey battle. Nathan Cleary has a major chance here to state his claim as to why he should be the Kangaroos' number seven for the World Cup. And don't forget this weekend, there's also the Prime Minister's game. Uh, the, da- the Kangaroos, it's the Prime Minister's 13, they have picked a side, Daily Cherry Evans, halfback of that side. So he's going to get a chance to prove why he should be the guy. Um, both guys in action this weekend. Both very interesting to see where they stand come World Cup time. Now, not too much longer. I won't keep you. Finals about to kick off. And just quickly before I jump into this little last part as well, Just circling back quickly to when I was going through the Parramatta Eels team list, there's actually been a change in the time since I started recording. So Tom Opechik out of the centres for the Eels. Bailey Simonson comes in. He's been named in the centres. Maybe they switch Wanga Blake to the centres. Although they had been playing Simonson at left centre at New South Wales Cup level. So I've thrown that out there. Let's now get back to the grand final rematch. And my point of difference in this game is Panthers having the week off. Most definitely. The Rabbitohs, they've had to go on a physical run just to get themselves here. Let's not forget how tense that race for the top eight positions were when you had the Broncos, Raiders, Eels, Rabbitohs, Roosters. Everyone was kind of jostling for only a couple of available positions. And it's been physical. Not to mention that the Rabbitohs back-to-back games up against their greatest rivals. The finals one, the finals game, was as physical as any NRL game we have seen this year. I believe it was the most physical. I mean, you can look at Origin, but that wasn't an NRL game. So the most physical game of the year, week one of the finals, Rabbitohs had to endure that. Then they had to go up against the Sharks, who, whilst they beat the Sharks convincingly, you still had to grind out an 80-minute performance and exert a lot of physical effort. There has been no chances for these Rabbitose players to lick their wounds, and we're seeing that with the likes of Alex Johnston and Saliva Havili not being able to take their place in this lineup. That is why my point of difference is the week off for the Panthers. I think it cannot be understated. And their back rower Liam Martin, he's come out during the week and he spoke about how important it is for them now with that week off. Because last season, they lost to the Rabbitohs week one of the finals, and they had to go the long way around. We saw players like Dylan Edwards were busted. But at that stage, only like, I think, Arpi, maybe one other, Kirk Capewell, had won a premiership. So they were all just giving it everything, but they really had to give everything of themselves physically, They were carrying injuries. And Liam Martin, he has spoken about how crucial this week off has been. They've been able to manage their niggling injuries. They're not going into this one banged up. And if you look at what the Panthers did last year, wounded? Well, if they are as fresh as can be, that is a major, major point of concern. So I've gone the point of difference, Panthers week off. And Liam Martin also spoke about how... I mean, quite obviously, the game plan shut down Latrell Mitchell. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that. I'm really interested to see how they decide to approach that because it's one thing saying it, it is another doing it. Latrell, of course, not present during last year's final series. He is on an absolute tear, has not lost a finals game in years, dating all the way back to his time at the Roosters, back-to-back premierships. And here he is, the main man. He's the one that everyone looks at, one of the most marketable stars in the game, one of the most polarizing. A Lot of people, they they don't like him. I'm not in that category. I am such a massive fan of Latrell Mitchell. Love the way he plays the game. And he's someone who gets a lot of unnecessary hate and a lot of unnecessary media bashing. Even as recently as this week, Paul Kent saying, like, oh, he's not playing the victim anymore and shit like that. Like, at times, he really was the victim. Like, he was getting so much unnecessary media bashing, articles that are clearly prompting people in comment sections, which is not where you find the most intelligent breed of people, but articles that are clearly baked to get people to, you know, controversy, comments, clicks... Luttrell has been used for so much of that, and the game, well, like he generates this game so much money. So many people tune in to watch Luttrell play, whether you love him or whether you hate him. I know plenty of people don't like him, especially Roosters fans, but look, they're gonna have to shut him down. And if they can't, he could turn this game on its head. So as far as all eyes on, all eyes on Luttrell Mitchell in this game, all eyes on the South Sydney Rabbitohs who are gonna try and do what a number of teams have done in the last couple of years, defeat their grand final opponents from the year before. And the most important part of all of this for the fans of both teams, last year's final series took place in Brisbane. This is gonna be a totally different ball game, very different energy, the crowds are gonna be out in full support and the vibe of this game is going to be epic. Huge crowd. I'm gonna, I'm expecting a sea of black, but the Rabbitohs have a huge support base as well. It's going to be full of some not-so-random south skies. And the Burrow, they're going to be going off their head. So very keen to see the atmosphere in front of the Sydney crowd. And my prediction, I'm taking the Panthers. I just have to. I think we all know they're on an absolute tier of epic proportions. And this isn't the point where I'm willing to go against them. But I am very intrigued to see what questions the Rabbitohs can ask of Penrith. And I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the Rabbitohs win. It'd be an epic moment. And it would really shake the competition up going into grand final week. But I'm going the Panthers. Penrith, they seem like they're in a league of their own. I think they get it done here. So taking the Panthers over the Rabbitohs, and of course in that first game for the finals, I've taken the Cowboys over the Eels. We'll wait and see how that goes. I will check back up on the weekend. I'll go through both games and we'll have some answers to these questions. So I'll be able to go through in hindsight, talk about what we know, and then this time next week, or a little bit earlier actually, I won't do it on the fucking day of the game. I'll be going through a full grand final preview. So very excited for that. This has been Finals Fever for the preliminary finals. You now have my picks, a full preview of both games. And I'm also going to have a look at doing an NRLW Finals Fever podcast. I wanted to do that separately. That one will be a lot shorter, but I've enjoyed the season a lot. So I'll go into my picks for both semi-finals in the NRLW, and also on grand final week, I will be going through the NRL 2022, not just a sports report. Fuck, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Uh, I'll have to work out how to shorten that. The performance highlights of the entire year. It's our equivalent of the Dell EM medal, except no one gives a shit, no one gets a medal. Unfortunately, no speeches, but maybe one day, We've cast votes already over on our Instagram, which I haven't even given the plug yet. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at notjustasportsreport. And over there, we had a voting for all different categories, signing of the year, captain of the year, a team of the year, position-wise, rising star, best young player, and of course, the player of the season. So we've got our results now. I haven't shared them yet. And grand final week, I'll be putting that podcast out. The 2022, not just a sports report, performance highlights of the year. So there's plenty more content to come. We've obviously got performance highlights. We've still got the review of all these games, prelims, some NRLW, grand final. And I'm even going to be doing a postseason review of every side season. And then I was kind of like, you know what, I've had a lot of lot on my plate this year, podcasting-wise. And I was like, okay, well, at least I have the off-season to kind of unwind and, and focus my energy on some of the other projects I've been doing. Wrong. We got the Rugby League World Cup, so I'll be covering that in some form. There will be some form of podcast and content, and I'm actually super excited. I'm loving the sides that some of these Pacific nations are building. I'm thinking Samoa, I'm thinking Tonga and Fiji. And I've also enjoyed watching Papua New Guinea, who they have had a really interesting rise. And I think, I think they're a sneaky chance at actually upsetting some teams, like they did against Fiji earlier this year. As a Kiwi, I'm very excited about New Zealand's chances. And of course, Australia, they've got to be the favourites every year. Let's not forget England too. I'm pretty sure the bloody competition is in England. So it's going to be a fun World Cup and I'm excited to cover it. But let's not look too far into the future yet because we are in the best part of the season, that being the final series. And there's no better week than Grand Final Week. So next week we are going to have a hell of a lot of fun soaking up all the action from Grand Final Week. There'll be a couple of podcasts here and there as well. But look, it's Friday. The games are only a few hours away. There's fucking, there's some dog barking outside. He's got finals fever. He or she. Uh, Unspecified gender. But I'm pretty sure I'm a dog whisperer. I'm like the Eliza Thornberry of the podcasting world. And the dog said, "I'm, I'm fucking pumped. I'm pumped because the eels are playing the Cowboys tonight in a matter of a couple of hours. So now I need to go and get a couple of drinks maybe. Of course, I will enjoy them responsibly. And... Look, we got some finals to sink our teeth into. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'll be back on the weekend with a recap of all the action. Finals Fever. Hope you enjoyed it. And if your team are playing, hopefully they get up this weekend. Thanks for listening and have a fucking ripping weekend.